Jenny Dutson, a neurodiverse 30-something who is obsessed with organisational psychology and welcome to Lightbulb Moments, the podcast about all things psychology. Welcome to this episode of Lightbulb Moments, where we talk about the power of suggestion. We've got Adrian with us, a hypnotherapist, gin drinker, and parent of a tornado. Adrian, tell us about yourself. So, uh, my name's Adrian. I'm a hypnotherapist, coach, and author. Uh, I've been working in Manchester for 17 years, uh, and my passion is personal development. Thanks, Adrian. On the way. Birds up there and some goats in my toga. Uh, I'll spend, you know, a good 20 minutes just sitting there and contemplating the nature of life and the universe and whatnot. My entire body got freezing cold. I started shaking, I couldn't focus, I had to get across three lanes of traffic to pull on the hard shoulder. Is it really advanced? I feel like there's there's more and more information and less and less understanding in this world. We're going to be talking about some random things today, as usual. Mm -hmm. Uh, but I thought it would be fun to, fun for me maybe, to talk about our origin story okay. in terms of like our friendship origin story. Because mm-hmm. I have my version of it, but I would love to hear what your version is of it. Well, I, I think you need to start that. You want me to start? Okay. So I had a panic attack on the motorway. And having been in HR, I didn't believe that panic attacks were a real thing until I was driving down the motorway. Uh, said to my husband, Ali, oh, I feel a bit weird. And as soon as I said that, my entire body got freezing cold. Mm -hmm. I started shaking. I couldn't focus. I had to get across three lanes of traffic to pull on the hard shoulder. I lost sensation of my fingers to my elbows Mm -hmm. and my um, knees to my toes. But all the while was laughing through it, Mm -hmm. obviously, maniacally, because... That's me. That's you. Um, And had this just crazy panic attack. After that, it meant that I couldn't really do motorway driving. And it was, I did CBT, I did a couple of other things. And then I got to a point where maybe I'll just go and see someone who can make me forget. (laughs) Or who can fix me Uh, with this problem. mm -hmm. So at that point, I googled hypnotherapists in Manchester, found you, booked an appointment in and came into your space. And um, in true me fashion, because I have a very high be perfect driver I and a very high be strong driver, mm-hmm. which means that I don't really like accepting help. My version of the story is that I came into your space, took control of it, analyzed everything that you were asking me. And we got to a point where you were like, this is not going to work. Let's just drink gin together. That. That's that's a very creative telling of, of of what happened, but you know I quite like it. Uh, I remember you washing my cups for me. That was kind. And and then your husband or partner or whatever's like, "Hey, uh, Jen, that's not your space. Don't be washing these cups." Uh, and you didn't stop washing the cups. You just continued washing the cups. And at one point, started washing the cutlery. I'm not sure why I did. Mm. Yeah. Um. The so so basically, you just came into my office and fixed yourself. Like kind yeah. of some sort of spontaneous spontaneous healing process yeah i remember um uh, judging your book collection and the way that you'd ordered your books as well <laughs> and uh that doesn't sound like you at all no. the, the, if i'd have known you're going to heal yourself i'd have gone to the pub 
before yeah just yeah, so just let yourself in wash i've left some dirty pots on the side you just help yourself and and, and i'll go in for a pint i'll see you in an hour yeah 70 pounds yeah. so that's your version of our origin story the, so how did we get to drinking alcohol together so i remember i remember the, the that he was in for panic attacks driving and i remember us having quite you've been on the receiving end of a very artful and skillful psychotherapeutic process that took a lot of care and effort on my part that was obviously very effective uh, and then afterwards, I think you said something along the lines of, do you fancy going getting drunk? Which is probably the most Stockport thing I've heard in in a long time. And and, and I remember thinking, um, it's not really my job to become friends with my clients, but you know, what the hell. If you're talking about Stockport, producer Liam knows lots of fun facts about Stockport. He's definitely someone to get on board with there. Oh, really? Know about Stockport. Uh, it's, yeah. That's actually not something I'm particularly yeah. interested in. Yeah, look, he's giving me the thumbs up right now. <laughs> he's desperate to get are involved you, in the conversation. Are you sure it was a thumb? <laughs> it was definitely a thumb. Okay, that's good to hear. <laughs> um, but so I think that one of the things that I did learn from you, though, in our sessions, despite the fact that I wasn't very, I, I was desperate for the control. And I think that I really struggle with knowing I need help and then being well, willing to accept the help yeah that's that was evident certainly to begin with but i I think you relaxed into it you were a good client you you passed it was a it was a a minus high five me well let's not get carried away (laughs) so the two the two main things that i took from it um and that i still use today so the first one is um we started to talk about like what do you look like when you see yourself driving. Mm-hmm. And I explained that for me, I feel like I look like a like I've got crazy, wild, black, curly hair. I've got a bottle of vodka in my hand <laughs> and I am driving in a convertible around the desert in like Dubai, uh-huh. like doing donuts. And, and like when I feel like I'm in a car, it's that level of crazy, right. it's that level of anxiety. So that's the first thing that I, I still go back to that. And I'm like, is that actually a true representation? Um, the second thing, though, that I find really impactful that I still use to this day mm-hmm. is around the visualization. So we did visualization where it's like you stood at the, you know, at the top of stairs and you walk down and, down, and it was the idea of getting you into your deeper subconscious. That's right. But that visualization really helps me to be calm. Mm-hmm. So I wondered if you could talk to me about like why does visualization work? so well yeah of course i mean so if if you look at if you look at say driving for example and if someone's for whatever reason getting anxious in a car then this means that the the body's trying to protect them from from maybe pain maybe the pain of some kind of catastrophized idea that's lurking somewhere in the subconscious and that that will be a visual idea but they won't necessarily have it at the forefront of the mind and so really what the the aim is to just kind of make everything much calmer and get, get ourselves out of this fight or flight state and get ourselves into a place where, where, where we've got much more sort of calm and authoritative control. And so visualisation, visualisation of something positive or something efficacious or just something smooth and, and, and simple replaces the catastrophized idea with, with, with a new and, and more helpful and, and actually more realistic idea. Most people don't have accidents in cars. And if you do have an accident in the car, it'll just be like a prank. So all this kind of, you know, panic is, is unnecessary. It's the most routine thing that, that we tend to do each day. We get up, we clean our teeth, we get dressed, we go to work, probably in a car. We, we come home, probably in a car. We do that for 20 years. It's, it's just, 
normal. And so to, to have a, like a kind of a visualized idea of, of the, that normality means that we can replace our, our fears and our anxieties with just like a sense of control. And do you think that people can use visualizations for, I think of one of the things that people will come to me for is like uh, speaking, like mm-hmm. public speaking mm-hmm. and that kind of anxiety. Would you, if someone came to you for that, would you be able to help them with visualizations? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, so it's, it's the same sort of thing. Most people, when they've got an anxiety about say public speaking, the, the, the true anxiety really is just making an idiot themselves in front of other people. Because who wants to do that? You get onto a stage, your hands are flapping, your voice is wobbly, your eyes are swelling all over the place, you, 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 you're sweating. You can't get your words out. It's just making me anxious. Just even thinking about it. Sounds like me on a normal day. I mean, to be fair, just the the, the we we all have our little moments of anxiety here and there, and and so if you think of someone who's good at public speaking and then visualise, say for instance, them giving a good speak, you know, good body language, open, calm, authoritative, speaking clearly, and and all the rest, and then you can imagine yourself next to that person, copying that person, and doing what it is that they do. Then you can fade that person out and just see yourself kind of modelling the, their behaviours. Repeat that for a while and it'll kind of embed itself in, into a more sort of sub, subconscious domain. Yeah, anxiety gets replaced there. Not, it doesn't necessarily mean all the adrenaline's going to go, but, but certainly you would expect yourself to be calmer, and more confident, more in control and, and good to go. Do you tell people to picture other people naked? It's, it, that, that's a very, very alarming thought especially given that I'm sat in a small room with you and, and, and two, two, two blokes staring at us. That's, uh, no one needs to go there, Jennifer. I don't know why you've even raised that. And you and Bingo. It's like a challenge it's, for every single podcast. I, I, it's, it's a good job that it's the morning, otherwise I would be getting me a fast car ride. <laughs> we talked about that on the car, car journey and, like, where can I get a shot of toffee vodka? It, toffee. Mm, mm. It's a long, convoluted story. Yeah. You don't need to hear No, I don't need to hear that. <laughs> um. Do you, so you just touched on adrenaline Mm. and you said that if someone goes through this process of if they can visualize and then step into the space and adrenaline will still be there, but maybe a reduced amount, is any adrenaline good adrenaline, would you say? Well, yeah, the the sort of the range of, uh, of, so if there's no adrenaline, we'd we'd be asleep. And and, and so we, we Without this kind of adrenal process, we, we, we'd be, uh, uh, well, we wouldn't be here. We'd just be, we, we'd be extinct. We, we'd live in a planet that was inhabited by cat people. And this, this whole thing would be, this whole conversation would be pointless. So yeah, so adrenaline is good. It's more, it's the context. You want adrenaline if you're going to do something that requires focus. You want adrenaline if you're going to do something that requires like an, a, an uptime state of mind. But you, you just don't want an excess of adrenaline. And, and so it's about trying to get the right balance between I'm alert, but I'm not uh, uh, excessively wired. And, and most people, because they overthink, you know, we, li- we live in a, a culture now where we're all, we, we think we, we have an excess of thought and we're all kind of driving and thinking or we're in the shower and thinking, or we start watching the TV and we're thinking, we're scrolling through our phones, we're not really taking in the content, we're, we're thinking. And, 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 and we fail to recognise that thoughts are, a fountain of stress and the more thinking that we do the more stress we're becoming but because it's quite discreet we don't necessarily realize it and, and often these thoughts are repetitive pointless there's no output to them they're often catastrophized and 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 and, and so so many people are in a state of adrenaline without even realizing that they're in that state 
and so they rush, they, they, they're hurried, then, then things uh, are bothering them. Snappy, short-tempered, can't relax. It's a, it's a reflection of our culture. Culture's not our friend. And if it's so if people are listening to what you're saying and they can see it in themselves, is there, if there was one thing that you would tell people to do to, to help with that, what would that one thing be? Crack a cane. <laughs> However, obviously that's 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 not a serious recommendation unless unless you've got an excellent source for it in education or whatever. Um, I would say meditation, some kind of guided meditation. Get get control of your breathing. Visualize, you know, flowing down a river. Chill out, relax, and 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 even say twenty minutes of daily practice of just getting on top of your breath, calming yourself down, uh, will make a huge difference. Absolutely huge difference, and and then your sort of basic level of, of adrenaline will generally be lower just based on that simple visualisation practice and then you'll be less triggered when it comes to stressful moments because you've got more of a ceiling uh, to play with. I find it fascinating how, and we've talked about this before, just the, the power of the mind. Mm-hmm. So when I'm in in the car, again, because that's that's my place where I'm anxious, when I'm in the car and I start to just do the visualization where I'm on, I'm walking down the stairs and everything's black around me, I have such a physical relief. I am like, it's almost like meditation. Mm-hmm. And I can feel in my body, everything just relaxes. I, I feel less tense. I can ground myself. Like why, how does it work so well? Uh, 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 so the, if, if you go back to, I don't know, Descartes or something like this, there, there was this idea that the mind and the body are separate. And, 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 and that Descartes, for all of the good things that he said, that's blatantly nonsense because, for instance, if you get drunk, your body is poisoned with alcohol and your, your mind will be a reflection of that. You'll you belligerent and start fighting a kebab shop or, or whatever. Although that's probably just me on a Saturday. And, and then, and, and so, or if you, I don't know, if you... Uh, uh, drop an anvil on your foot, like in a cartoon, uh, your mind's going to be washed with pain and, and your thoughts and, and the expletives that come out of your gob are going to be a reflection of that fact. And so there's clearly a connection between the, the body and the mind. And, and, and that connection is bidirectional. And so if you calm your mind, if you can take your mind and put it into a less you know, overwhelmed place by, by, by soothing it, calming it, narrowing its focus and these kind of things, then, then because of that bidirectional connection, it's going to have an impact on the body. If the body's tense, the mind will be tense. And if the mind is tense, the body will be tense. And so yoga calms the mind. And, and, and equally, you know, if you calm your mind, it can have the same sort of impacts on the body. It works both ways, if that makes sense. Do you meditate then? So your, your advice is meditate yoga? Uh, yeah, uh, every morning I've I, I got this, this, local, this mountain that's local to me. There's, there's the birds up there and some goats in my toga. Uh, I'll spend, you know, a good 20 minutes just sitting there and, and contemplating the nature of life in the universe and whatnot, uh, I I subsist on fresh air and fresh air alone. What uh, colour is your toga? <laughs> it's uh, slightly grey colour from all the tramping up the mountain side for the past. Like your so, soul. Uh, like the, <laughs> my soul is black, not grey. The, the the like like everyone, I, I try and incorporate meditation practice into my life, and I'll go through spells where you know I'll do uh, like some months, uh, and it's pretty regular. Then I'll have some spells where I drift away from it because, you know, life's complicated, difficult sometimes, and, and then I'll come back to it. And I think that's good enough. If you, if you, if you turn it into a chore, it, 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 it becomes something that we just can't wait to stop doing. 
And so it's best to just have have like a, a more gentle connection with it. it. It can't be something that you punish yourself with, if that makes sense. So do it when you when you feel like you really need to as well. Yeah, so if I, yeah, exactly that. If I, if I can recognise that I'm going through some more challenging times, the, the, the first thing people do when they're going through difficult times is they jettison those things that would, would keep them scaffolded against those times. And so you, so you have to be sensible. If you know you're going through difficult times, you've got an option. You, you know, you can stop going to the gym, you can stop meditating, you can stop uh, uh, eating healthy, you can start drinking more, maybe have some uh, crafty cigarettes and, and all this kind of stuff that, that are these kind of toxic and maladaptive ways of trying to cope with stress. Or if again, if you can sort of calm yourself down, perhaps using visualize, visualization techniques, instead, you know, you can try and keep hold of those things that that, that boost your well-being, exercise, reaching out to friends, uh, uh, and, and this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, it's definitely the way. It's the way to way forward. Hey, I, I think exercise, meditation. If, if someone exercises and meditates most of the time, consistency, not perfection, they've probably got their stuff together. I, when people think of hypnotherapy, Mm -hmm. we think of people like Darren Brown. Okay. We think of things like the power of suggestion. Mm -hmm. The question that I'm sure everyone is thinking is, can you make producer Liam think he's a chicken? Um, probably not in this context, which is the slightly mundane and disappointed answer. Just say yes. Well, are you trying to suggest that I should say yes? Was that that a (laughs) suggestion? Are you giving me suggestions about our conversation about suggestion? It's getting very meta. It's very meta. I'm not sure I can keep up. (laughs) Um, So if you look at stage stage hypnosis, right, that's that's where you want to start. Yeah. Right. So if if you go to see a stage hypnotist, when people go up on the stage, the the, the hypnotist, what he'll do is he'll do a load of suggestion tests. Sorry, suggestibility tests. And what he's looking for are those people who are kind of hyper-suggestible. So he can, he'll do a few sort of various tests, and some people just really get into it straight away. And, and because of that, they, they'll probably be excellent candidates to be hypnotised quickly, and, and, and by which point, and also he'll, he'll, keep, he'll do this thing called fractionation, where he'll hypnotise them, bring them out of it, hypnotise them again, and that puts them deeper, brings them out of it, hypnotise them again, that makes them go deeper still. And which is why they're all kind of slumped over. I was just about to do the slump thing, then I realised that on a podcast it's pointless. Uh, 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 they're all slumped over and, and they're essentially asleep. They're kind of, they're, they're dreaming at that point. And so if you offer a suggestion, here's a Muppet's Marilyn Monroe or, or here's a, an onion, it's an apple, they, they're in such a, a kind of de- deep state of what they call som- somnambulism that those suggestions will be received wholeheartedly and they will act accordingly. So they're not putting it on. When they're dancing like a chicken, they really do believe on some level that they're having a dream that they have a chicken. But the so but there are two filters there. So filter number one is everyone who's gone there at the back of the mind, the, the suggestion, the pre-suggestion already exists that oh, I might dance like a chicken tonight. So, so that suggestion is already there just by dint of the fact that they're going to see a stage hypnotist. And then filter number two, as as described, like I say, the, he's he's chosen the ones who are particularly suggestible, and and, and so suggestibility definitely exists on a kind of scale. But everyone's suggestible in the right kind of circumstances. Uh, for instance, if you were to uh, starve someone of food for 10 days and uh, and then make suggestions about, uh, 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 I don't know, um, delicious food for them to eat, their the, the body would, would respond accordingly. They would, you know, their mouth would water, their stomach would, would clench, you, you know, the... Uh, uh, like Pavlov's dogs. Um, it, uh, 
so the, the funny thing about Pavlov is Pavlov didn't really in, do anything with his dogs. It was all his assist, assistant. So always the female. worker. Uh, I, 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 I expect his assistant was a man. He was probably white. He probably had, even though he's working class, he probably had white male privilege. I, I don't think we need to get into this right now. I, I'm not your daughter. Don't try and indoctrinate me. <laughs> also, I'm mixed race, so I'm, I'm exempt. You're exempt. I'm exempt. So it was all his, it was his, well, so let's, for people that don't know what Pavlov's dogs is, or Pavlov's assistant's dogs. Do you <laughs> it's, want not, to? it's not as catchy as it. Pavlov's assistant's dogs. Yeah, it doesn't have a don't it? So... Uh, right, so Pavlov was this Russian biologist and he was uh, uh, studi- studying the constituents of dog slobber, like you do. Uh, 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 Important work. Uh, well, uh, I, I guess if you're a Russian scientist in the 1800s, you've got to... Because Freud, I think Freud studied uh, fish gonads as his first, his first medical paper. So, you know, that's what, that's, what you, that's what men used to do 200 years ago. So he, to, in order to kind of harvest the dog saliva, he would... Uh, put his assistant would put down all these kind of uh, uh, bowls of food and ring ring a bell, and then then the dogs would come running and 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 but uh, before they could eat the food, they would harvest the the produced dog saliva. Uh, and and then he realised that oh, actually there's there's some kind of relationship between ringing of the bell and the production of the saliva rather than the food. So so they, they initially would have thought well it's the 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 sight or the smell of the food. Uh, but it was quite easy to condition the dogs to produce the dog saliva just in response to the sounding of the bell. And and that kind of that uh, 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 represents the basis of our understanding of association. And association is, is the bedrock principle upon which, say, uh, most suggestions are built, uh, uh, much of advertising works via association and so forth. Mm. Uh, the, 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 the impact of the bell and the, the, the connection between the bell and the saliva, short-lived, if you stop feeding the dogs, very quickly they stop producing the saliva. Oh, so right. that yes, yeah, so there has to be the reward if it's cue, process and reward. And if you take the reward away, the cue just becomes meaningless. I feel like do you do something with hands when you figure? I feel like when we first had our first meeting, there was something hand related. Well, gang, gang signs. You're <laughs> yeah. throwing straight out of content. No, in terms of trying to figure out how suggestible someone is, you do something with hands. <laughs> Close your eyes and do something with your hands. I, I'm not making this up. I, Stop making me sound I, like I'm crazy. I, are you mistaking me for? Some sort of private party you've been to? I'm, I'm not sure. I have, I'm... <laughs> we definitely did something hand-related. <laughs> we, we did do something hand-related. So, they, although I, I could demonstrate it, but it kind of would be pointless because it would just be silent for 30 seconds. <laughs> yeah, don't do it. The, the, um, the, so, but using suggestion, you can make, say, someone's fingers feel magnetic. And, and, and because there's like a bit of tendon tension in the fingers anyway, so, 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 so it's quite easy to make, to sort of, piggyback on top of uh, the fingers desire to come together uh, 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 but 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 that suggestion right uh, similarly you could say suggest vividly that someone's got like a lemon you know like a very bright lemon it's waxy you've got a sharp knife you cut it in half and the, the two halves fall apart the flesh inside is glistening the tangy smell so on and so forth and and, and in response to, the, to this idea that, that people are listening to uh, f- for some people at least the mouth will start to produce saliva because uh, again it's just the body's automatic response to an idea does someone have to have seen a lemon before like have they had to experience all the things that you're i think most about? people have experienced a lemon jennifer i don't know I, just it, i'm just asking the question <laughs> <laughs> do, do people have to have ha- experienced a lemon in, in, yeah because it's not so you say it was just an idea right but if you asked me to visualize 
uh, some other random fruit from somewhere where I've never experienced it. Okay. I wouldn't, I, would I be able to have the same response? Uh, well, no, you're right. You're right. There, there, there needs to be some kind of at least, uh, at least relatability. There needs to be relatability. It's true. It's true. So, so if 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 you're offering suggestions and people can't relate to those suggestions, then then there's not going to be any reaction to those suggestions because without a, 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 a process that that's based around mirror neurons in the brain, I think the, the, the there needs to be a sense of I can connect to what it is that you're you're visualizing. That connection needs to be on a deep level. I did my uh, first Libel Moments newsletter oh, yeah, yeah. on mirror neurons. Oh, did you? Yes. Harriet, my nine-year-old, uh, is obsessed with them. She'll come home and say, Mummy, I watched someone fall over at school and my mirror neurons just triggered. <laughs> I'm like, I hear you, dude. What, what, what is it to be nine these days? I know. What, when I was nine, I was playing with Tonka Toys. Yeah, so we, we've, we've advanced from that. Is it really advanced? I, I, I feel like there's there's... There's more and more information and less and less understanding in this world. So we're talking about this this power of suggestion. Mm-hmm. Um, do could people use the power of suggestion in their working lives to advance their career and and to kind of the whole win friend win friends and influence people? Uh, yeah, definitely, de- definitely yes. The the there's a fine line. I think there's a fine line between. Suggestion and manipulation, and 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 so uh, the the aim really is to be positive in your intention. If you're uh, being manipulative, then then probably there's like a destructive uh, undercurrent to that. Whereas if you're being positive and and, and the aim is to uh, 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 plant ideas that that are to everyone's benefit, then yeah, absolutely, that's a good idea. Okay. Other things that can you can you run us through? Like let's say. I had a plan for a project, but was struggling to get people on board. How would I get people to get behind my idea? Are there certain things that I could say? Is there certain language I can use just to be able to push those ideas forwards? Yeah. I, I, so, so, so if you look at that in general terms, to start off with, the, the, the main thing really is to, to speak to people's emotions. If, if, you, if you try and appeal to logic, that, that's not a suggestion. That's, that, that's like an argument. And... and and an argument probably won't get you anywhere. It's emotions that are, that are going to get you somewhere. And and so for me, the the uh, uh, the, the aim will be to use emotional language. So that's language that that speaks of people's feelings. You you, you could say, you know, I feel this is like a really important thing. For for instance, which is probably going to carry slightly more weight than saying I think this is a really important thing. Uh, you could use met- metaphorical language, like you know, if we could, if we were able to kind of really get hold of this. So, so you. you you're referring to the metaphor of, of touch uh, and these kind of phrases, they will probably speak to a person's suggestible mind more effectively than if you if you use cold and, and logical language. So I think this will be a good idea uh, uh, is weaker than say, I feel this will be a good idea as a general rule. And, and, and that kind of language, again, as long as you're using it to some sort of positive end, yeah, it's, it's just another tool that, that, that an effective communicator would hopefully uh, know how to use. Would you, because you just talked about the difference between I think and I feel. Mm-hmm. Um, would would you say that people should match what the other person says as well in, a, in any kind of given discussion? So if someone's coming in and saying, I feel like this, and then you ask them, what do you think about X? You, you, you're absolutely right. So, so that kind of mir- mirroring process, I hate that word, mirroring, 
mirroring process. That that mirroring process, the process of of, of being somebody's mirror, uh, is is going to sort of cultivate a bit of rapport, and, and and that can extend almost to even say body language. Uh, if someone gesticulates, you can sort of subtly copy that gest- gesticulation. Clearly, that could descend into parody. So if someone crosses the legs and you cross the legs and then they fold the arms and you fold the arms, then they shuffle in their seat and you shuffle in your seat, they are going to go, what the hell are you doing? So, you, you know, you need to be subtle. But if, if someone, for instance, you, you, you know, uses a lot of language that seems to be around the use of the word feel or, or metaphors around touch, we need to get, get hold of this. Uh, 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 we need to touch base, you know, so on and so forth. If you, if you speak to that person using very mechanical and unemotional un- un- language, they're going to find you cold, and and, and they're not going to have any sense of rapport, and, and they'll probably be uh, uh, uninterested in in whatever it is that you're trying to suggest to them. And so, any anything that cultivates a sense of oh, we're the same it, it is, and this goes back to the relatability thing you're saying about you know people who've never seen what a lemon is or, or whatever. Uh, you, you need to be able to relate, whether that's to an idea, whether that's to a person. If we're thinking about suggestible language, if you would say there's one thing that if you want to be more successful mm-hmm. at work, this is the thing that you need to put in place, what would that thing be? Warmth, actually. Okay. Yeah, warmth. If you look at the, the people who, which isn't quite a, a, an article of suggestibility uh, in the classic sense of, of that idea, but it's, it's effective. <clears throat> Excuse me. If you look at people who do well they tend to be warm and competent and warmth looks like uh, 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 a is it wearing lots of jumpers <laughs> it's yeah it's clearly wearing lots of jumpers uh no it's um uh how, how would you describe it i would say think about the person that you're you're trying to interact with uh you would kind of gauge the, the sort of energy that they're bringing into a conversation you would peg your energy to be somewhere in the same kind of level. So if someone's quite cold and uh, uh, and difficult to read, there's no point being, you know, like a TV presenter in uh, in your demeanour. They're just going to find you overbearing. So you need to kind of peg yourself to whereabouts they are and then bring just a little bit of humour, a little bit of relatability, matching with their body language, matching with some of their, their use of language. Uh, and that uh, will, will, will generally be like an effective strategy when it comes to being listened to fabulous thank you very much you're welcome Uh, so thanks so much for joining us adrian i really enjoyed that conversation i think my light bulb moments for today in terms of being able to take that power of suggestion into work is first of all mirroring so even with body language seeing if you can mirror that body language Um, Second of all, it was matching energy, which I think is something that I probably need to work on. And then the third thing was deciding whether or not you're using think or feel and how you can use feel to suggest ways forward. So I hope you enjoyed our conversation today. See you next time. Toodles. Toodles.